0: Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, Alice Powell and Noah Cherry. But first, your true crime headlines. A Milwaukee man was fatally shot after an argument over who had a better high school basketball team. A criminal complaint charges 23-year-old firefighter and EMT Cesar Fuentes with one count of first-degree reckless homicide in the death of 25-year-old Andre Nicholson Jr. on December 6th. Nicholson and Fuentes got into the argument at the bar Site 1A in the city's third ward. Fuentes used racial slurs and Nicholson punched him. Nicholson was then asked to leave the bar, but Fuentes followed him. Nicholson called his uncle outside and explained what happened. His uncle then heard several gunshots. While on the phone, Nicholson was shot by Fuentes six times. First responders found Nicholson surrounded by family members in an alleyway. Fuentes turned himself in to police shortly after the shooting. His bond has been set at $75,000. A Missouri woman has been charged in the shooting death of her fiance, in their Smithville home last week. Smithville police said that when they arrived at the home Thursday night, they found 48-year-old Shannon L. Tate suffering from a gunshot wound to the head. He later died at a hospital. 47-year-old Lori Ackerman told police that the couple had been arguing for weeks, including for several hours before she shot him. On Friday, Ackerman was charged with second-degree murder and armed criminal action in Tate's death. She is being held on $1 million bond. In Fresno, California, a pregnant woman was killed after she was shot while riding on the back of a motorcycle on a freeway. 21-year-old Savannah Troin fell off the bike and was run over by at least one vehicle after the shooting early Saturday on state route 41 south of fresno according to the california highway patrol Troyne's father james castro said that his daughter was two and a half months pregnant with her first child she was scheduled to enter a drug treatment program on monday the man driving the motorcycle remained at the scene and was questioned by officers the driver of the vehicle that struck the woman also stayed and was cooperating with the investigation. The death is being investigated as a homicide, but as of Monday, no information had been released on a possible suspect or motive. A fire that killed a woman and her grandson in Missouri is being investigated as a homicide case, and a cadet man faces charges of murder and arson. 53-year-old Tammy Thurmond-Feverston and 11-year-old Trevor Cook were killed in the fire on December 7th in Cadet, an unincorporated town in Washington County. Firefighters who responded to the fire found the home fully engulfed in flames and were told a woman and her grandson were trapped inside. Lieutenant Robert Lang Jr. of the Potosi Fire Department said that the firefighters could only enter the home from the back to the severity of the flames this prevented them from immediately locating the victims who were found at the other end of the home where the fire was the heaviest according to a probable cause statement on december 7th 50 year old andrew richards unlawfully entered the back door of the residence shot the boy twice and his grandmother four times he then stole two cell phones and a handgun and possibly other items that cannot be accounted for, burned the house, and fled the scene. Authorities searched the residence and found spent ammunition casings. The same ammunition loaded inside a pistol magazine was located inside Richards' residence. Richards was arrested after a high-speed chase with police ended when Richards crashed his vehicle. One of the stolen cell phones was located in Richards' pocket at the time of his arrest, along with a bag of meth. On Monday, Richards was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, first-degree robbery, first-degree arson, four counts of armed criminal action, possession of meth, and resisting a lawful stop. He is being held in the Washington County Jail without bond. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, Alice Powell and Noah Cherry. But first, a quick break. Here at Murder Minute, we love gifts that give back. And this holiday season, it's more important than ever to support businesses that make a difference. So this year, we want to tell you about One Hope Wine. One Hope is a Napa Valley winery built On hope and rooted in purpose every bottle of their award-winning wine supports a meaningful cause and one hope has donated over 5 million dollars to causes around the world from building a school in Guatemala to funding over 3 million meals for children in need and their commitment to high-quality wine is as important as their commitment to the causes they support One Hope believes that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your wallet to enjoy quality, award-winning wines. That's why their world-class Vintner collection begins at just $25, so everyone can afford to have the best of Napa Valley delivered straight to their door. Their gorgeous, best-selling glitter and shimmer sparkling wine bottles make a dazzling gift. And you can stock up on award-winning wines for the holidays at up to 20% off, get 5% off four packs, 10% off six packs and 20% off 12 packs and earn rewards with every purchase. But the best reward is that every bottle supports a meaningful cause, which is printed right on the label. My sparkly bottle of bubbly is funding healthy meals for children in need. And that's worth raising a glass to. Visit OneHopeWine.com slash MurderMinute and use the code MURDERMINUTE for $10 off your first order today. That's O-N-E-H-O-P-E-W-I-N-E dot com slash MURDERMINUTE for $10 off your first order when you use the code MURDERMINUTE. Cheers, and happy holidays. Now more than ever, you really shouldn't put off seeing a doctor when you're not feeling well. And I know that with everything going on, especially during the holidays, it can be difficult to put yourself and your health first. And these days, there are plenty of reasons to want to avoid a trip to the doctor's office. That's why I use Plush Care. They make seeing a doctor easy, right from home. Plush Care provides virtual doctor appointments through your smartphone or computer. I just pick a time that works for me and book an appointment right online. I don't have to sit on hold forever to make an appointment or leave the house and sit in a crowded waiting room and be exposed to you-know-what. I just open the app and talk to a doctor from the comfort of my couch with plush care i can be diagnosed treated and even have a prescription sent to the pharmacy of my choice if needed within minutes plush care accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states and the doctors care they're here to help by discussing treatment options and have a wide range of expertise and they're available anytime you have questions no matter where you are or how busy your life gets, Plush Care has you covered. With Plush Care, I don't put off seeing a doctor, and neither should you. Plush Care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself, inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash to start your free 30-day trial. That's Plushcare.com/slash/murderminute for a free 30-day trial. Go to plushcare.com/slash/murderminute. The holidays can be a difficult time, especially this year. And in difficult times, it can be difficult to cope. So if you've been thinking about talking to someone, It's time to get BetterHelp. BetterHelp is not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist so that you can start communicating in under 48 hours. They have a broad range of expertise available, and the service is available for clients worldwide. Just log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that you don't ever have to sit in a waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor whenever you need to. Plus, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Just visit their website and read the testimonials posted daily. Like this one, written by a BetterHelp user after counseling with Scott Van Camp for eight months. Scott is very personable, listens intently, and asks the right questions to keep you learning and growing. I've been meeting with Scott for over six months and have grown a lot. Or this one, written by a BetterHelp user after counseling with Suzanne Matson for four months. Suzanne has proven to be a great asset in my life. I avoided therapy for quite some time after having a not so stellar previous experience. But since meeting with her, I can say that I have made strong improvements in my overall self-care. She's always made herself available to me in my times of need, and I can honestly say I couldn't have asked for a more caring yet professional individual to help me overcome my issues. Visit betterhelp.com/murderminute. That's B E T T E R H E L P. And join the over 1 million people have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Murder Minute listeners get 10% off their first month when they visit betterhelp.com/murderminute. That's betterhelp.com/murderminute. Welcome back to Murder Minute. On Holland Swamp Road, in Princess Anne, about 10 miles from Norfolk, Virginia, lived Charles Powell, his wife Martha, and their seven children. Their youngest was 10-year-old Alice. At 7.40 a.m. on the morning of Friday, November 13th, Alice Powell left for school. She carried with her a small lunch basket and a bag which contained her school books, geography, reading, spelling, and writing. Alice's school was in Kempsville, three miles away, a journey she traveled on foot every day. The road was lined on one side by dense bush and on the other by tall pine trees. Later that afternoon, a storm blew in. And Alice didn't return home at her usual time. Charles and Martha thought that maybe Alice went to her sister's house in Kempsville rather than walk home in the rain. They sent her older brother to go fetch her. But Alice wasn't there. Her family became worried. Alice had never run off before. Her parents and siblings began to look for her, and soon a search party was formed. Later that evening, a clue was found. A baked potato laying on the ground along the road. Then another. Then Alice's lunch basket. Here she is, A voice cried out from the pine thicket oh my god she's dead Alice's throat had been cut her underwear was torn showing that she had been sexually assaulted her hands bore defense wounds and marks on her face and neck showed signs of a struggle the gash in Alice's neck was so deep that when the coroner lifted her body her head almost dropped off. Blood evidence at the scene indicated that Alice was first attacked on the road. Then the murderer dragged Alice into the pine thicket about 15 feet from where she was attacked. When he was finished the murderer ate her lunch. When police asked Charles Powell if he knew of anyone who would want to harm his daughter, Mr. Powell told them that he had recently fired one of his employees after he had an argument with one of his sons, an 18-year-old black man named Noah Cherry. According to witnesses and to Charles, Cherry shouted at Mr. Powell and swore, revenge police arrested Noah Cherry but at the same time someone broke into Charles Powell's barn and stole a horse the man was soon captured by the police while riding the horse and was also arrested his name was William Daly Noah Cherry was taken to jail where he denied knowing anything about the murder. After an examination of Alice's body, the coroner concluded that her wounds were caused by either an axe or a hatchet, and that the assailant was left-handed. Police questioned Noah Cherry and found that he was left-handed. That was enough for them. The next day, William Daly was charged for horse thief and a coroner's jury returned a verdict that the deceased came to her death by an axe or a hatchet at the hands of Noah Cherry. On Sunday morning, Alice Powell's body was returned to her family home where a funeral was held at their farmhouse. Alice's funeral was attended by so many and was so crowded with mourners that a part of the floor in the house reportedly collapsed. The Richmond Dispatch reported, The funeral of Miss Alice Powell, the young girl whose body was found in the woods, took place at the residence of her father, Charles H. Powell, on the Brook Farm near Kempsville, on yesterday afternoon, and was attended by several hundred people of the neighborhood the services being conducted by Reverend R.W. Cridlin of Portsmouth. The excitement among the people at the funeral was intense, and it was soon evident that there was a determination among the men to take the law into their own hands. Alice's remains were carried to Jackson's farm, where she was laid to rest. Meanwhile, the police were searching Cherry's home for more evidence. The Richmond Dispatch reported, quote, On Sunday morning, Constable Farrell and John Herrick visited Jenny Lindsay, the grandmother of Cherry. On her premises was found a lot of bloody clothing belonging to Cherry, and in the clothing, several school books and other things belonging to Alice Powell. According to police, Rolled up in a bundle behind a large pine tree was Cherry's clothing, a blue coat, a vest, and a white shirt. Inside the bundle were Alice's schoolbooks. All were splattered with blood. The finding of these things and certain other developments, the Richmond dispatch continued, fixed the guilt fully on Cherry. And after the funeral, a large body of citizens left for the courthouse. On the evening of Sunday, November 15, 1885, a lynch mob was formed. The New York Times reported, quote, The feeling against the murderer was very bitter, and as night approached, the citizens began to gather and by 10 o'clock, they numbered 150 or 200. They met a short distance from the courthouse on the North Landing Road, where a leader was chosen and arrangements made for capturing and hanging the murderer. The leader called for 15 volunteers who would be under his immediate command, and that number promptly stepped forward. When the jail was reached, the hour of 11 had nearly arrived jailer murden and his wife were asleep and were awakened by a knock at the door as soon as the door was opened the crowd rushed in very much frightening the jailer's wife the keys of the cell were demanded but the jailer refused to inform the crowd where they were to be found they had supplied themselves with a sledgehammer however and had no difficulty in finding the cell in which the prisoner was confined he being the only occupant. The Richmond Dispatch wrote, quote, The lock gave way under a single blow, and Noah Cherry, half dead with fright, was hurried half-dressed from the building. On getting outside of the jail, the Negro jerked away from his captors and attempted to escape, but was halted by a pistol shot, the ball of which entered his arm. The Negro was then carried down the road to the Hickory Bridge Schoolhouse, the place of execution. He was told that he had but a few minutes to live and asked why he murdered Alice Powell. He at first denied the crime, but finally made a full confession, stating that he killed her for revenge and used an axe. He said that he had planned her murder. He waited on the road for her, She came by singing, sweet by and by. And when he assaulted her, she made no outcry. She only prayed the Lord to have mercy on her soul, as he dragged her into the thicket and killed her, almost instantly, with the axe. He also confessed to other crimes, robbery, etc., which he had committed at different times in the neighborhood. The wretch was then told to get down on his knees and pray which he did in a rambling sort of way. After a short time had elapsed, a noose made from a clothesline taken from Mr. Bonnie's field was placed around his neck. His hands and feet were tied. The rope was thrown over the branch of a pine tree, which stood on the roadside, the branch projecting over the road, and he was swung up with a shout from the crowd. About 100 pistol shots were quickly fired into the body as it dangled from the tree. The party then quietly left the grounds. Noah Cherry was placed in a pine box and buried in the jail yard. The Richmond dispatch later reported, quote, The rope with which Cherry was lynched was cut into pieces, and given to whoever desired souvenirs of the occasion the people of princess anne seemed to approve of the lynching cherry was of bad stock they said both his father and his grandfather were also hanged for murder in north carolina on this subject the rocket a north carolina paper wrote quote noah cherry who was lynched at Princess Anne, Virginia, on the 16th, was a son of Noah Cherry, who was legally executed a few years ago at Goldsboro for a crime now fresh in the minds of our readers. And his father was also executed some years ago in this state. We hope the last cherry has dropped from the tree. In April of 1939, nearly half a century later, a family member arranged for Alice's grave to be moved to Forest Lawn Cemetery in Norfolk, where she was buried with her parents. Her headstone reads, Medora Alice Powell, aged 10 years and 4 months, murdered on her way to school. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.